follow that. Agreed? Sure. Yeah, that's yeah? it. Yeah? Okay, cool. Right. Um, the Cadge cast. Fucking <laughs> hell. Here we go. Mm-hmm. All right. <clears throat> cool. <clears throat> hey, guys, and welcome to episode two, but the first episode that we've actually got a name for it. The Cadge Cast. <laughs> what a stupid name. Um, but yeah, you guys can see the imagery that, yes, I did create. And uh, I, I sent it over to Callum last night and uh, I was I was in tears upon creation. Creation of this, um, this image that I think will most likely go viral, to be honest. Um, but yeah, so it basically we, we, I was driving home from a... Uh, pool session yesterday and I just thought what what am I going to call this thing and I just thought well Callum AJ Callum AJ and it's a podcast so I just combined combined them all and created the catch cast it's logical um, yeah it's logical because you listeners were, were shit you didn't give us any names you loved the podcast you were amazing like the reaction we got on episode one was epic I think mine and Callum's um, stories were about three years long um, just just because we were resharing images of you listening to it. So thank you very much for the support, guys. Glad you like it. Um, and that's, that, that, that's basically it. That's what we're going to call it. So getting into the episode, we're basically going to intro the podcast episodes now with just a very brief roundup as to where me and Callum are at in our current fitness journeys or, or whatever you want to call it with with regards to bodybuilding of course so Callum um give us a little bit of a roundup as to sort of what's going on with you like right now and and how this week has gone from from a training perspective how have your sessions been yeah sure so um we're we're coming to the end of a I guess you call it like a, a training um block that's okay. just been the last probably 16 16 weeks and around it's around that kind of 12 12 to 16 week mark where I normally feel things start to um taper in regards to how I'm feeling training okay things, things get a little bit niggly things get a little bit achy recovery starts to diminish a little bit um and almost like my my mental readiness to train i'll start to see that waver a little bit so um those will be the those will be the signs that i kind of take into consideration to think i need to back off a a a little bit into um into more of a deload sure um so yeah i spoke to i spoke to jordan at the weekend and he said um it's probably wise to go now as opposed to digging the hole too deep so this week will be a little bit of a back off in um total total volume so i'll have probably three I'm away this weekend, so I'll just have three sessions this week, okay. uh, which will be kind of keeping keeping a little bit in reserve in the tank on on every set. I'll still keep some heavier work in there, but I won't take them to failure. Um, yeah. So, I'll... are you are you a fan of of more so keeping intensity high in high, but but dropping volume in a deload, like similar to sort of the way that I remember talking to Scott Stevenson, and then that was sort of the way that he laid it out in fortitude mm-hmm. training, so. Keeping intensity slightly higher, but but dropping back on on the volume. Yeah, I, I, the thing is, I still I've, I've done both in the past, and I find that if I if I completely let everything kind of off in terms of numbers for yeah. a week or whatever, when I get back to it, it's such a shock that it takes me a couple of weeks to actually adjust. So, yeah, sure. um, 
if I can experience just a little bit of it, but then not take those sets to um, just something very neurally taxing, then um, I find that more beneficial. So instead of kind of two working sets, I might do one working set and then take that a little bit shy of, of failure um, and just basically not bury myself in the sessions. Um, and then after after this week, there'll be what it'll be six weeks towards the end of the year, and then next year it will uh, it will ideally be looking to to pick a, a show later on. So. Um, it's just kind of priming next year, I guess, because yeah. you'll be the same yourself. You just get to a point where things start to become a little bit counterproductive and the body just doesn't start to feel right. So I, was, I was at that exact point this time last year. Mm. Like, everything just felt horrible. Um, and and I was... I, I'm in that same paradigm as you where I, 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 I want to push and I want to carry momentum for as long as I can and and I will that that tends to be how long I can push for like maybe 10 11 weeks max and then I'll need to really look at deloading and you see some people run like a like a four to one or five to one paradigm where they're like deloading like all the fucking time Mm. like I think whilst that's beneficial from an injury prevention point of view I I think from a momentum and from an actual like are you capitalizing on progress with that kind of approach I, I don't know I don't think so I think you could get way more productive training weeks in the yeah. bag by keeping that momentum up um and you know it's funny you say that I do see a lot of clients where you know, in the past, I may have backed off on their volume and intensity quite quite aggressively. And they go back in and they say, AJ, every, everything sucks. And they have two weeks of really shit training mm-hmm. because they've just they've just capped out like neurologically. They can't get back into that into that zone that prov- promotes really, really good sessions. Um, so I, I guess, you know, I guess something we can learn from that and we can learn from your weeks and and things like that is that you know deloading is very individual um and the way the way that i think that we bet should best use deloads is 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 auto regulatory but also with a sense of um of of being sensible right uh, yeah. and remembering that we've got to look after sort of connective tissue etc a little bit more than potentially how we're just feeling from a progression point of view yeah. um so that's really good it's got to, be, like you said, it's got to be something. It's got to be something responsive, hasn't it? Mm. Uh, I, I, I don't see unless we're like unless we're in like a strength sport where we're dealing with like programming that's purely based on on volume and numbers. I don't see that there's any way of being definitive in in terms of this is what I'm going to deload because yeah. you don't know how you're going to be feeling. You don't know how you're going to be performing. So yeah, completely. Mm. In terms of shows, mate. Um, have you looked at federations? Because I know there's a load of shit going on with the UKBFF at the moment. I imagine yeah. that you might not do a UKBFF show now, or are you going to look into what? Like, what feds are you looking at, really? Simply because of obviously the the correlation with Jordan, um, potentially his show towards the the middle of the year, which will be a, a PCA. So um, I know there's a lot of kind of drama going on with the other side of things. So yeah. um, potentially that would be a good a good time to step in. It'd yeah. be nice. It'll be a nice. It'll be kind of a nice moment to experience that, and I know quite a lot of the lads um, in that already, so that would be cool. Yeah, no, it'll be wicked. Is this something that you've always like that you've always had in mind? Because I, 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 I think I remember when I first started following you and sort of found you on Instagram. Like, 
you didn't appear like you were having any sort of plans to compete and it wasn't really on your it wasn't really on your radar it was like you you just loved the process of training eating yeah. and dressing and you know what what sort of changed your mind mate out of interest it's, it's always going to be like I, I like challenging myself and it's always going to be something that i know that that process will will better me as a coach as well and it's going to be experience yeah um, and just simply from like the environment you situate yourself in and the people you're around like josh won miss universe a couple of weeks ago like being yeah, around amazing, that is yeah. it's just completely contagious yeah um and it's it's hard not to kind of have your mind frame in in that kind of position when people around you are doing those things so um yeah it will be a, it'll be a good challenge yeah, something crazy I found. I, I read a post off Josh. Josh is like, for listeners that don't know Josh, Josh is fucking ginormous. He's um, <laughs> not human. Um, and I, I read a post off of him, and he, he seems to, like, when he's digging for fat loss, he seems to die on surprisingly low calories. Yeah. Like, he put up, like, a day of eating or something, and, like, you wouldn't think that that would even be one meal in his diet let alone you know um would you do, do you know what he sort of like i think this would be interesting for listeners do you know comparatively what he sort of eats to gain when he's in gaining phases does he really do you think that he's got a very sort of adaptive metabolism in the sense that he has to dig quite hard but then on the other end of the scale when he's gaining he has to push his calories up pretty damn high like does he have to get really low when dieting, then really high when gaining? I think, rel- I think rel- relative to his sheer body mass, I think calories are, are pretty are pretty scarce at the end wow. of a, a prep. Mm. But his his ability to like dig is phenomenal, and like the the last two or three weeks before a show, you just won't talk to him because he's just in he's like just tunnel vision into what he needs to do. Um, but like off season, I think um, obviously I've only been up in Nottingham for two years now, so I've only really seen him, seen him go through one proper off season. Okay. Um, but I don't think his food gets excessively excessively high on where mm. you think it would be. Yeah. It's actually quite it's actually quite moderate. Mm. Um, but the the guy is yeah he's absolutely enormous. It's yeah. ridiculous. I mean, his his carb ups look ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> two thousand grams or something stupid. Fucking ah, hell! He's got the stomach of an ox. <laughs> anyway, um, cool. Well, that brings us nicely into our topic for today. Um, obviously, just to give a brief update as to where I'm at, um, I'm this time next week I'll be flying out to Boston. So um, I'm sure that obviously when I, I chat, I chat to Vicky on on the sort of the nasty scene podcast as well, and uh, the Eminem update. So I'm sure you guys will hear a little bit more as to about where I'm at, but. Um, it also provides relevance to what we're going to talk about today because I'll be heading next week into my final peak week after doing what seems like a million peak weeks this this year. Um, so we just wanted to talk briefly on the topic of peaking um, and namely discussing because there's a lot of podcasts out there on peak week. Um, and what I don't want to talk, what, what I don't want to start with is. Oh, the, well, the prerequisite of peaking is you have to be ready. Like, oh my God, like the amount of times I've heard that on a podcast is unreal. So we're, we're actually going to talk about it a little bit more so from the coaching perspective. Uh, so how we manage the data that we receive from clients uh, and how we then adapt and respond and give them the protocol that's needed on the day. So I know that Callum had a client recently actually in Cyprus that was competing. Um, mm. 
that looked epic, looked like so dense for a natural and a pretty young natural as well. Like he looked awesome. Mm. Um, so in regards to the week, the weeks leading up to peak week, um, Callum, what sort of data are you receiving from your client and, and how does this change from perhaps the, the more weekly check-ins that you're getting uh, prior to this sort of the final stages? Sure. Like, I think um, like throughout prep until the last probably four or three or four weeks, there'll, there'll still be that kind of regular pattern of um, you've got one proper weekly check-in via email and then I'll catch up with someone a couple of times on WhatsApp throughout the week just so I can keep on top of them. Um, but as we get... To, with the weekly check-ins, just to interrupt me, do you, do you tend to have like a... A guideline of the of the of the sort of the the feedback that you want from a client. So, do you say sort of like, how is your sleep? How is your training? How is this? How is that? Do you have a structure, or do you just sort of let them go free for all and, and discussing their week? So, I'll have like a just a, like a PDF document that just has like it just collates data. So, okay. all the numerical stuff, but then all the feedback in regards to mood, sleep, um, anything you can think of that would be important and of value will basically just get put down on that piece of paper. Yeah. They'll, they'll input it into the into the sheets and then they'll send that to me. So, I've got kind of a, a tangible feedback from them from what's happening and I've got all the data in terms of body weight, etc. Um, and then from that, I'll start to kind of formulate a, a response and start to think about what we're going to do for the, for the next five to seven days, I guess. But I think in that, especially in that period, it's not like an off-season client where the changes are going to be more kind of sporadic in regards to there's probably going to be less frequency of changes and they might happen on a weekly basis. From that perspective, we've got to kind of be on top of people almost daily in terms of it's actually being responsive to how they're feeling day in, day out, whether they need more food, whether they need to... It, is, it, it can be so responsive, but from my perspective, the biggest killer in you know that process is going to be stress on their side and then feeling like they're not in control and then worrying about stuff and then you know, it's going to start impacting their sleep, it's going to start impacting their focus. Um, and from, from our perspective, as a, from a coaching perspective, taking as much of that stress as possible and just putting it on our onus as opposed to allowing them to think about it. Um, so it's just laying down a blueprint for them to execute where it becomes almost robotic in nature because they're following something that we're creating on an ongoing basis as opposed to I'll speak to you in five days' time or whatever. Sure, sure, absolutely. So sort of heading into like the final few weeks, was your client in a position where they thought that the the peak week would make much difference to the physique, or or where do you tend to educate your clients throughout the process that you know we're getting to the point where you know peak week is is very minor manipulations and and did you at any point sort of like trial or test a peak week with this client that you had over the weekend? Yeah, so the the last. Um... The last two or three weeks before he stepped on stage, we would run mock um, carb ups towards the end of the week, nice. and then we'd take photos around sessions or around diff different workouts just to see what he was looking like. So we could get a gauge of how how quickly we'd need to taper food and what he looked like after X amount of carbohydrate or X amount of um, X amount of food, and we were finding. Kind of the two-week period before when I posted those photos of him in front of the mirror and he looked absolutely massive. Like I just couldn't believe what I was seeing. 
Um, <laughs> he, he, he was, oxygen gym photos yeah, they were. He, he was ready at that moment, and yes. that was a little bit of a worrying sign for me because we still had kind of 10 days' time to then bring him into the show. Okay. And I know for a fact that when we would put food in, when we, put, when we give him a refeed, so we give him two or three grams of carbs per, per pound or whatever, um, he'd look phenomenal like two or three days after, and then it would just taper off, and he'd just run flatter and flatter and flatter. And when he gets flatter, he starts to look softer, and the lines start to go, and the fullness starts to go. Yeah. Uh, so the, the only the only issue we had there was the the timing of that moving into the weekend, because we only found out like two or three weeks before um, that he wanted to do a show on Saturday and a show on Sunday. So wow. it, was two, it was two consecutive shows. Okay, wow. And I, know, I know for a fact that after he's competed on Saturday, the body's going to be a completely different animal going into the Sunday show after what's happened on Saturday. Oh, for sure. Um, so that that was a yeah, that was a that was an interesting, an interesting experience. How did you manage that in the end? So basically, we we tapered into that last week without making many manipulations, and we kept the the Saturday or Sunday refeed going for the last four four or so weeks. So I knew when he'd start to. X amount of days after I put food in that last weekend, he'd start to then taper off and start to, to flatten out and deplete. Yeah. Um, so we had three or four low days going into the the week of the the week before the first show, and then the sh- the show was on Saturday and on Wednesday we started putting um, food in because that would be like a three day period between Wednesday and Saturday because I was just following that same basis of what we tested four or five times. Sure. Um, just so I had some form of logical thought process in my head to say, well, I know he's going to look the best in, in four days if we put X amount of food in. Uh-huh. Um, and that went really well. On Thursday and Friday, we topped up a little bit, um, but we had a, this is the funny part, we had a, an 85 to 90 kilo weight limit to to. Oh, yeah, I remember seeing this. Um so I couldn't push food too hard because he was on the cusp of that limit going into the final week. He was like 80, 88.9 or something. So we had like a, a two-pound limit to play with. Sure. Um, so if I, if I obviously loaded him hard, then his body weight is going to be topped up above 90 when he goes into the weigh-ins. Uh-huh. Um, and we got there We got there on, uh, what was it, Friday, Friday. And I'd left Friday pretty light because he was weighing in on that day. And he was like 100 grams over the, oh, uh, over the weight limit. So we went, he went, we went for a walk outside. It's like 35 degrees outside. Went for a walk outside, sweated a lot. Didn't drink anything for three or four hours. Didn't eat anything for three or four hours. Yeah. He came back in. He got under the weight limit. But then we'd lost five hours out of the day, which could actually be productive getting ready for Saturday. And he was and a little he was depleted. Yeah. Depleted. He was stressed. Um, so we kind of wrapped that back up on, on Friday into Saturday. Saturday, he, he, he was holding too much and he looked a little bit softer than we knew we could deliver. How, uh, how do you gauge that when people have sort of like spilled a little bit? Did, did you see areas that he'd already spilled in on past refeeds or like what sort of areas for him started to fade when, when you, when you're sort of so too the, the, up? The biggest thing for George, especially in photos that had a lot of, of light, and especially when he puts his tan on as well, I can see it straight away, where his legs would look soft, and the, the lines would just go in his legs and his glutes, ah, okay. uh, and his, his, his waist and his, his, his midline would just look thicker than it would have before. Right. Like when, he was, when he was dry, like there were bloody like veins coming out of his abs, it was, it, his, his waist is tiny, um, but immediately, as soon as I saw the photos in the morning, I was like, fuck, like, right, we've got work to do. Um, and he was, he was stressing out a little bit because the day before, obviously, 
this this hadn't really gone to plan. Um, so we kept Saturday morning relatively relatively light in regards to food and kept food closer to the actual show. Okay. Um, he, comp- he ended up competing in the heavier weight class. Right. So the guys the guys were like twenty pounds heavier than him, mm. uh, which was insane. Um, and he actually did, he did okay in that he placed, which is cool. Um, and that that was a he looked he looked phenomenal. Like either way, he looked phenomenal. But we knew we could improve on that. Yeah. Uh, and Saturday after the show, leading into Sunday, um, I basically tried to shed as much subcutaneous fluid as possible. So we increased archery protein immediately after the show for three or four meals because um, that's going to start to start to flush flush the water by itself. Yeah, we put sure. in some 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 herbal dressings as well. So we put in some dandelion. We put in some vitamin C, and just started just pushing them through every couple of waking hours until that evening. Okay. Uh, um, I gave him some some water and some electrolytes post-show to kind of rehydrate and then tapered that again going into Sunday. And then, I, I, honestly, I think Saturday's show depleted him like we wanted to for Sunday's show because on Sunday he woke up and everything had just slotted into place and looked absolutely insane. Interesting. Um, so, so Sunday was on the money. Saturday was was kind of 10 to 15% off. But I think Saturday created Sunday's response just because of what happened. He was spending a lot of time on stage. He was posing. And that was just, just basically just running him running him dry. Yeah. Uh, wow. Yeah, it was, it was an interesting, interesting process, really. Um, but I think from a communication perspective, the only way that somebody can be responsive on that, I think email gets to be a little bit of a nightmare because it's harder on our side to then be Oh, quick. yeah, no. I've never used email for a peak. E- everything was just um everything was just every hour or so on, on WhatsApp. Yeah, um, I mean I, I sometimes even use like this morning, for example, I have a client in uh, Vegas doing the Natural Olympia as a team. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he's literally like he does WhatsApp check-ins every day. But it's so funny, like man, I I I feel like I'm gonna need a little bit of a break now that um <laughs> now that this is his last show because he's been doing back-to-back shows for like legit about a month. So oh, we've Jesus. been we've been running daily check-ins for about a month <laughs> and I'm like and I'm, I said to him the other day I was like Noah mate I love you but I can't wait to not have to talk to you for one day <laughs> and uh, and so yeah he, 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 he updated me this morning just on like IG so he just whacked like okay. he, he got his dad or whoever's with him to, to film him posing and just sent them all across on IG and then it just allows me to send a thread of selfie videos back to him and that's that's how i worked with a few clients this year you know instagram they just instagram me like you know loads of posing updates or they whatsapp me them yeah and i i usually respond when when it's whatsapp the thing the thing that's great is i always use voice notes yeah so i just I, i just go i just go bang voice note um and they get to play that and and it, it always always for me when it comes to like giving feedback to clients like I've always found that the way that I speak sometimes comes across a little bit like too too blunt in an email without without giving the context of my yeah. voice behind it, um, yeah. and even more so with like the way that I do some t- like my video feedback, especially now when I'm in a slightly suppressed state, I need my my voice and my hands 
to portray the way I'm trying to get across things. Because mm. if I was just to write an email or sometimes even just a voice note, it's sometimes I'm a very blunt, straight to the point coach. Um, and it's likely that newer clients might not fully understand that off me. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think, you know, the way that you handle clients is, is, is very individual as well. Like, you know, you've got to sit on my story the other day, you've got to be very individual with the way that you, that you work with people because, you know, you can say one thing to one client and they'll be absolutely fine with it in terms of you being blunt or you being sort of like straight to the point. And then another client, they'll get really affected by it. And like they actually get down, and like you might actually irritate them a little bit. So, um, but equally, some clients need to be, they need to have that blunt, they need to have that straight up, and they like that. Um, and Noah's, Noah's like an absolute gem. Like, I can say any shit to him, and he'll just take it yeah. and, and listen. Um, and in regards to his peak, been very interesting with him because he reached a point he's basically a teenager and this is a big big point so as a teenager you've got to remember your level of muscularity you have to remember that and it, 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 the minute you forget that you're not as muscular as alberto nunez or even juniors like myself the minute you forget that and you chase some element of conditioning that's not within your scope, you will look like shit. And I've gone there. Um, you will you will waste away. You will tap into muscle tissue, and you won't look any leaner as a result. And you will feel like rubbish as well trying to chase that. Um, Jeff Alberts in 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 like 2014, 2015 put up a great YouTube video saying. Um, don't chase, don't chase glutes, chase the physique. Um, and you know, as a, as a teenage competitor or even a junior competitor, the, 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 the line that you walk between chasing glutes or chasing extreme conditioning and maintaining enough muscle mass to look like a bodybuilder on stage is very thin. Mm. Now, now Noah still looks like a great bodybuilder and there's one reason why. It's because when we achieved that conditioning that I knew was peak for him, we started incrementing food. So his food has been incrementing for the last four to six weeks, very similar as me, actually, very similar. He started his reverse about a week, two weeks after I started mine. Um, so the increments came from primarily carbohydrates. Uh, we actually dropped dietary fat at one point uh, we kept protein static and literally, yeah, all, all of the manipulation has come through slight step reduction. Um, so expenditure coming down. His peak expenditure was 25,000 steps a day. So he was doing wow. a fuckload of steps. Yeah, slow. Um, so now he's been as low as 15 um, and food has been incremented up, like I said, through primarily carbohydrates. And he's just continued to look better and better and better. And the best part about the whole process is that throughout the last four to six weeks, he's picked up like regional titles. He's beaten other like novices. He's beaten male bodybuilders. And he's been starting to feel okay. He's mm. not felt great. Like you never feel great until you get some more body fat back on. But he's felt 
pretty damn good comparative to digging phases in his prep, which meant that he's laid more attention to his posing practice. He's enjoyed the process more. And awesome, 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 awesome part about it is that now mentally he is ready to attack the post-show period, which we talked about in the last podcast. I think something that we didn't cover in the last podcast is the benefit. Well, we potentially covered it, but maybe not in this regard. But the benefit of being reversed, I think that makes the whole post-show period 10 times easier. Like, Callum, if you'd have asked me how are you feeling at the end of this process and what you're going to eat in the US, if you'd asked me that, like, a week before my first qualifier, I'd have been like, can't wait to be done, going to eat everything. But now, I'm even lighter, um, I'm on more food, my training's going better, and I'm finishing prep. I'm in my 42 weeks of prep. Um, 40 seconds, sorry, 42 Fucking hell. <laughs> 42nd week of prep. It's been too long. Yeah, it's been too long. Um, and I, I, I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm fine. Like I, 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 apart from wanting to add some body fat to start to feel good, and from a leverages point of view, like my training has only been improving. Mm. Um, I, I, you almost feel like you've started your off season. It's really, really fucking odd. You almost feel like you're. I almost have guilt sometimes when I feel okay during the day. Um, mm. I, I'm like, I should, I should feel like shit. I should feel <laughs> awful. Um, but that, that's the thing. Like, I think what I've learned this year from a peaking perspective is that if you can finish a prep feeling half human and step on stage with decent energy, with full, like full muscle bellies, and your training going well the last few weeks. I think that promotes a, a far greater response. But mm. the amount of people that can do that is minimal. If I hadn't done a world final, I wouldn't have been able to do this this year. Yeah, It's, um, it's, it's worth saying that as well, because I had quite a few people message me saying, oh, I fucking rang my prep. You know, I rang my prep this year wrong and stuff like that. It's like, no, it's, it's not, not everyone will, uh, will be able to do this. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's going to be relatively um, context-specific. And that, that's, that's why I think, you know, this year... The people that I'm taking on board for prep, like I'm getting them on now, so that if they want to do like even in a late show, I can start them like very early and just say, okay, you're going to have to mentally hack the the idea of digging quite like quite a decent amount far away from your show, but for that benefit of being on the money on the day. I think that's difficult and you know it might it might prove that that's you know that's that's a that's a slightly suboptimal approach. I might learn that mentally that's not a good way to prep people, but I've seen it a lot with other prep coaches like Cliff Wilson. He does extremely long preps with his athletes and most of them handle it pretty well. Mm. Most of them take to it pretty well, but there's been a few there's been a few that that it drags out so long that they just they just can't hang on for that long. Um, like I've I've seen people try to embark on like you know fifty five week preps and they're ready you know ten or twelve weeks out and the whole idea of re- reversing calories with striated glutes for twelve weeks oh I, I just don't think I can mentally hack that. Um, you know you almost need the show to be kind of close when you're in that digging phase to get you yeah. through. Um, which I think is the benefit in the UK of doing a qualifier, like, and then having your reverse period after the qualifier. 
um, because then you have to show motivation, etc. Um, mm. Cool. Is there anything else you wanted to add, mate, whilst I check my Instagram DMs? No, I think you've, you've covered it there pretty well. Okay, cool. Yes, yeah, so I think the, uh, the only thing I was going to say was, yeah, just um, in regards to that reverse reverse uh, context is, is going to be important. Mm. Okay, we've got two questions, which is pretty cool, considering I only put up the post, like, about ten minutes ago. Fucking, <laughs> <laughs> that was awful, wasn't it? We did have some from last week, but I think I've lost them in the, in the plethora of images I've got on my phone. Um, mm. So, I'll keep his name quiet, because it's quite a personal question. Um, but, so this guy's been prepping for a whole year, and he's just wondering whether he should... Whether there's any benefit of him leaving his coach and going solo after his competitive season, what's our opinion on on sort of like the benefits of not having a coach? I know we're both coaches, but what's the benefit of going on your own after a competitive season? The, 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 probably the first question asked is why? What is there a, a, a kind of a, a valuable reason why you would leave in the first place? Because yeah. um, I, I think that. That period is going to be essential for you to have structure. That's what and I was if, going to say. If, yeah. If you've run, if you've run a successful prep, then are you really going to be able to you getting the the reins in your hands? I personally think that it's probably better to stay with them for the first eight ten weeks post show and then do it. Because you, you you need that structure immediately after. Yeah, I I totally agree with that point of view. I think the data that your coach has developed, um, or sorry, collected over the last sort of, you know, however long you've been prepping is very valuable in the approach that you use coming out of the show um, mm. and that holding on to them for that period of time um, is, is, is integral. Um, however, I do think that it's important that what, you, that what you think about is that if you're a clued up guy and your coach is doing shit with you post-show that you just really don't agree with, be man enough to say no and leave and mm. do it do it your own way um and if you think your own way is going to be more optimal do it that way because i've seen so many people this year that have like just just w- mindlessly followed what their coach has said post show got way in a bad position like really in a bad position and then gone well i was just doing what my coach told me to do and yes there's always rationale but, you know, if your coach's protocol for a bikini competitor is, you know, go back to your off-season diet plan where you were having, like, eight bagels post-workout or whatever, like, that's not that's not good. And if you... Uh, it's, it's annoying because a lot of these people listen to our content, listen to, like, this podcast and the other podcasts that, that, that we do and that we run, and, and then they, they just fucking ignore all the information that they know is correct they mm. just follow the the absolute garbage that they're given and that that really does annoy me because then they get themselves in a bad position they wonder why they're there and then they contact a, a, a respectable coach like ourselves and guess what we have to we have to clean up the um the mess and that's what i've seen a lot so if you think that what your coach is doing is is not of the benefit of you and not putting you in a in a good position please either question them and you should feel fine about questioning them or ditch do it yourself and do it a way that you feel is optimal um 
Right, Emma asks, when it comes to carb sources, should you focus on glucose or are foods higher in fructose, i.e. fruits, honey, slash saurine, going to be equally as effective? I think I think the, the question really requires context, doesn't it, as to where these carbs are, are being placed. But I imagine she probably means post-workout, like... It, when it comes to glucose versus fructose post workout like is there any guidelines that you that you deem sort of fit i guess uh, it's funny that I was, I was speaking about this with um luke uh the hoffman the the, the, the lad that i'm doing the podcast with speaking ah. about, i was speaking about this the other day ah. uh, i think from the perspective of um, replenishing muscle glycogen, mm. the 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 majority of food either post workout or during a uh, a load or whatever needs to be from glucose based um, sources, and then a, a percentage of that can be based from um, fructose, so fruits, um, etc. The benefit of combining the two. So I've seen some literature suggesting that, especially pre workout, it could be beneficial to combine. Sources. Having a bit of both, yeah, 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 sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I don't know where it was. Somebody's, somebody's podcast spoke about that. The, uh, I listened to it a few months ago. but I've um, seen it a lot on Chris. Uh, do you follow Christopher Barakat? Okay, is it, was it his? It, it, I don't know, I don't know, but I've seen it a lot on his story. He takes he takes like an IG story of his pre-workout meal and explains the benefits of combining glucose and fructose in in his pre-workout meal um, and he's having things like a like a cereal product combined with a banana with a with a raisin and a little bit of honey etc um, okay. but yeah I, I guys if you're listening and um, I, I'd recommend following Christopher Barakat he's a very very clued up natural bodybuilder um, and I had him on my, on Teen Muscle Radio quite a while back, um, but he's yeah he's superb, so he's one to follow. Mm. Um, cool. Well, that's that's the only uh, questions that we got today. But I'm sure that some some more will come through for next week's podcast, and I actually uh, endeavour to save them this time, which would be good. Um, <laughs> cool. Um, so I think we'll leave it there as we're coming up to cardio finishing time for most people or steps or whatever you've been doing. So guys, as usual, screenshot the podcast, whack it on your stories, give us a bit of a review as to how you like this episode and any other topics you want us to, dis- to discuss, like either DM us saying, discuss this topic, please, next time. Um, whether we do an episode next week, we probably won't. Um, purely because I'll be flying out this time next week, unless we manage to get an early one in, but we'll discuss when, it. When's the, uh, when's the actual show? It's a Saturday. Um, and then I'll be in the US from, well, I'll be in the US like two week, like from, from then on for like two weeks. But yeah. um, I'm sure we can sort the time difference and do one the week after that because I'll, 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 I'll just be eating and, and training. So um, yeah. I'm sure uh, I'll obviously be working as well. So I'm sure that we can catch up the week after my show. Um, so we need a we need another topic. So guys, like YouTube comments, whatever, whack, whack a topic that you want to discuss. And the next time I'll be talking to you, hopefully, uh, well, not hopefully, we'll be a WNBF world champion. So uh, yes, we'll leave it there. Callum, anything else to leave, or we're we all good? No, good luck. Good luck for the uh, the next couple of weeks, mate. And we'll um, yeah, we'll speak soon. Cool. 
Awesome. Cheers for listening, guys. And cheers, Callum. We'll speak soon in a bit. Thanks.